0: Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Sunday morning edition of Down to Earth. Thanks so much for joining us. I am so very grateful that you're taking time out to be with us this morning on this Sunday morning edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about matters that are down to earth, right? Down to earth as it goes, right? And it is Sunday, so we are going to talk about faith and talk about faith and its impact on our lives. We are going to talk about our faith, whatever you believe in. But in fact, more specifically, we are going to talk about the recent church scandals. Well, are they recent? Church scandals that have taken place and how it has disproportionately marginalized the Christian faith. Uh, so we're going to examine that and talk about that and, and see what the implications are for people of faith, people who still have faith, who still believe, but don't know where to port their belief. They don't know where to carry it because they're like, mm, I'm sort of afraid. It's no, it's not very different from political leaders, right, who uh, perhaps have to find themselves in the same dilemma that... I'm not sure I like this guy, but I have to make a choice. But I don't know if I like this girl, but I kind of, I have something, I have some idea, but I don't know what to do with it. So we're going to talk about that. But it's Sunday and the news of the day, thankfully, it is Sunday morning. And we don't have a mass shooting to report on. Give ourselves a hand clap, a phrase right there. You know, nothing happened over the weekend. Thank God we had peaceful Saturday. So everybody could go shopping, go to the movies without fear or favor, although most of us are doing that online shopping thing now where you order through an app and they bring it out to your car. It's a novelty. I love it, right, because we're just so terrified of walking into a big box store and there you have it. People are standing around with guns. I think it was Walmart, Kroger, and a number of other major retailers who came forward recently and asked their customers to desist from bringing their open carry weapons into their stores for the safety of all, which is exactly where we need to be. We we must continue to think of the safety of all of us, not just some of us. I mean, you're well within your rights to open carry all you want. You can open carry on your own back lawn, on your own lawn if you want to. But think about the safety of everyone else. What if it's not you? but someone else has some nefarious intention of perhaps grabbing your open carrier weapon to execute and carry out something that is not good. You see what I mean? So we we need to think about the greater good and the, the greater good of all and public safety is ever, should be topmost, should be uppermost in our minds. For those of us who have ever had to be at any public kind of event, sometimes I hesitate myself like seriously, to participate simply because you don't know who will show up and you don't know what people are thinking. You don't know what end of the spectrum they are, how they feel about stuff. So we tend to be mindful of those things, right? So it's Sunday. We're going to continue to be upbeat, <laughs> right? We're going to continue to believe that good goodness will prevail and that people will hold themselves in check despite whatever you're going through. And I just want to say, that all of us, you're not alone, all of us from time to time experience instances where nothing seems to be going our way. We all have those moments. We all have moments when we feel like there's nothing that is happening. And I just wanna tell you that if you feel like that and that is you, then don't be alarmed but uh uh we sometimes uh we we sometimes uh hesitate and we all have those instances where we are affected by life stories things happen right and because of that uh because of that stuff happens so i just wanted to tell you that you're not alone and if this is you and if you feel Because sometimes what happens, people feel left out of the game, they feel left out of the conversation. They don't see themselves picturized and pictorialized in the events of the day. They don't see themselves as part of the bigger picture. Whatever that bigger picture represents for them in their own framework and their own frame of references, they don't see themselves as part of a contribution. And so what happens is people then feel marginalized. You have to be careful with that because when people are not engaged, then they become marginalized. And the further marginalized they are, they're more open to becoming part of, they feel fringe, right? They become part of fringe elements. And then some other idea appeals to them that is going to make it sound like, well, this sounds like a good idea and it's not affecting me and blah, 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 blah. And so people feel like that that is a good idea. But I'm here to tell you that wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, whatever you find yourself doing, if you find that you don't feel good, I'm, I'm spraying something into my hands to moisturize my hands because I tend to experience dry skin. Whatever you feel yourself, wherever you feel like this is you, I encourage you to become come back to center, come back to feeling like you're part of the process, whatever that process is. It could be in your family. You feel marginalized or left out. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you dropped out of school. Maybe you didn't make it into college. Maybe you just have a job where you feel like you're just a cog on the wheel. Hey, that sounds like most of us, right? You're not part of the decision-making process. Then come back to center and figure out where you need to be. What is it that you need to do? to get you engaged in the process. Maybe you wanna join a bigger group, a group that is progressive, not a group that is going to encourage you to hurt others, but a group that is going to encourage you to be a part of the process, to make a positive contribution to the events of the day. And that is what is the best option for everyone, right? That is the best option for everyone. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. Thank you for joining us and and for feeling that. And thank you to those who have influence over others, who perhaps encouraged other folk this weekend so just so we could all sleep, right? Just so we could all have something to sleep on this weekend and not have to deal with anything. I just want to say. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, because you helped me to get some rest this weekend. I got some rest. Well, here in Michigan, a lot of stuff was going on. Uh, in fact, we had the Republican Biennial Convention in Mackinac Island, which is in northern Michigan, extremely northern Michigan, close to Wisconsin, right below Canada, kind of thing, <laughs> right? So the Republican Convention was there, and the Democrats had their stuff going on. So the whole political life was active. And it's fall, so there are all kinds of fall festivals. Today, I think, is the last day of summer, or was it yesterday? Today's the 22nd. Today's the 23rd, the 22nd, so it probably is the last day of summer. So fall officially starts tomorrow. Now, personally, I'm not going to pull out my boots yet, because here in Michigan, we wear boots like for six, seven months of the year, so I'm not ready for that yet. I can wait. I can wait. I'm one of those persons who push it to the last minute, right? So I'm going to wait for the boots wearing season to officially start. It's when it gets cold, because first I wear flip-flops and then I wear, you know, I put on my little footsies, then I graduate to socks. <laughs> Are you all laughing at me? I kid you not. And then by the time I get to socks, I'm like, you know what? I feel really cold. Maybe I should Maybe I should put boots on, <laughs> but it has to get so cold, like end of October, November before I put boots on. Because once you put it on, it's like November, December, January, February, March, and April nowadays. Then You wear boots. Look at that. That's like six months of boots, right? <laughs> but it is what it is. We're just grateful that we're alive and we are able to see the process, right? right? So I wanted to talk about church scandals and the impact of faith, not focusing or zeroing in on the scandals per se. So this is not a gossip. So this is not a gossip show. We're not going to talk about the gossip of it. We're going to examine what did it mean for my faith and yours? How did church scandals affect us? How did it impact us? And for those of you Who are joining me, you can listen to more about the show on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts, and wherever your favorite podcast platform is. You can always listen to more of Down to Earth with Harriet Kamek. It's there, right? And tell your friends about it. I appreciate the love. Thank you. Thank you. When you go to find my page on Spotify, when you find my podcast, subscribe to the channel. That way we know what you like, what you don't like, so we're able to bring you more shows that are of interest and more topics and cover more topics that are of interest to you. So make sure you subscribe to our channel on Spotify, whether you find us on Apple Podcasts or on Google Podcasts or wherever your favorite uh, podcast platform is. There's one called Overcast, right? There's one called Pocket Cast. There's one called Radio Public. They're all out there. And of course, on Anchor FM. So wherever your favorite podcast platform is, subscribe to our channel so that we know, right? So I wanted to talk about church scandals and its impact on our faith. And I'm doing it not from the perspective of encouraging the scandals or levitating on the scandals, but from the perspective that what did that do to people of faith? How did that that affect us? And I'm gonna personalize it a little bit in terms of how it impacted me and what I observed going through it. I think it was, it's 10 years ago now, isn't it? That the fir- one of the first scandals in the black Christian church erupted uh, with Bishop Eddie Long in, in, in Atlanta, when the story unfolded of him having sex with young men who had come to him for mentoring and whom he had a school set up for disadvantaged youth. But then he became more than their, their patron. He became their lover. He took them on trips on, you know, trips all over the, all over the the world and, and so on. And everybody around Bishop Long seemed to know this was going on, but no one said anything. That's key. We'll come back to that. Okay. Prior to that, there had been scandals in the Catholic church from as early, as the early 1990s, where people began coming forward to talk about the first major ones happened in the 1990s, in the mid-1990s, when people came out and started talking about them being molested by, by priests in the Catholic Church. It started in Boston, it went to Philadelphia, and it started, it mushroomed and took on a life of its own. It still hasn't stopped. It's still continuing as more and more people are coming forward to disclose what had happened to them while they were a part of the church. Well, what that did was it tore the church apart. At first, the Catholic Church, in an effort to contain it, notice the word contain, tried to suppress it. So they pretended it didn't happen at first. Then they suppressed it, tried to cover it up. Sometimes the cover-up is worse than the crime, right? And in an effort to cover it up, what they did was, guess what? They hurt the survivors. You can't cover up. When someone comes and discloses to you that they have been violated, you can't cover it up. Covering it up is not helping, right? And what happens is because covering up is not helping, what cover up does is it it makes the person feel, the person coming forward, feel as if What they're saying is not true. I've often told people, when someone comes to you and discloses that kind of information, do not push it away. Do not ignore it. Acknowledge that it happened. Acknowledge what they're saying about it, that it happened. It's important to the survivor. And then find a way, direct them. If you don't have the resource, direct them to available resources that will help them to overcome. So the Catholic Church, it became bigger and bigger because the Catholic church is an entity in itself. So it was not inconceivable to think, well, if it's happening here, chances are it's happening somewhere else. And so eventually the church compacted and contracted because one of the things that happened is that people started losing their faith. People started walking out. People withdrew their children from school. People stopped attending services because now, they're not sure what is it that is going on. did it impact their belief? Yes, it did because now now, what has happened is that uh they uh they don't know they don't know what is going on because now, how do you know what's going on? How do you know what to believe see the the thing is this where I wanna bring this to is What do you really believe? Do you believe in the supreme God, or do you believe in the persons who are the representatives of God? The people who come before us and say that they are the representative of God. Do you believe in them? It's kind of hard for us not to acknowledge that, isn't it? Because you're human, because the only way you're going to hear the message is through a messenger. And the messenger is invariably a human being, right? So, you go back to the scriptures and what does the scripture say at any time that you are unsure of what to say or what to do or what should happen, go to the scriptures because as representatives of the faith, we're going to fail you. I'm going to fail you every day. I'll just disclose that to you all day, every day. I'm not, I'm human. I had to get up this morning, go to the bathroom just like you. I had to get up and think about what am I going to make for dinner. I had to get up and think what am I going to make for breakfast. I have to figure out what am I going to plan for the week ahead for my family. And I have to plan about my business. I have to plan about all the people I'm going to come in contact with today and every other day. And what am I going to say to you? So I'm human. I am just like you. So I am going to fail you. But where I fail you, that's where the scriptures come in. In a lot of ways, what happened was people took on more than they could handle. What they did was they drew all the attention to themselves instead of pointing it where it belonged, which was at the cross. The attention should have been on the God of the cross, the God who made the cross, the God who is the story, whom the story is written about. Instead, they made it about them. So they're infallible. So when you look at them, you look at them and you say, there is no way that God is real because God could never operate through someone like you. That means everything you told me about God, I don't believe that anymore. So now people are struggling and are searching for answers. That was the greatest impact. This is why the Catholic Church tried to contain it because the impact, it also impacted their money make no mistake about it because if people are not coming into their into their centers of worship then they're not going to collect money people are not going to write checks to write endowments and to fund their activities it's a similar thing in the black church what happened to when the scandal erupted everybody was trying to keep it down because then that meant that you know people were going to stop watching christian television which they have stopped right and people were going to stop walking into churches, which they have done in record numbers. And now people are not going to do what? Because they're, wherever their, money, their mouth is, that's where they're going to put their money. So if their mouth is not in a religious center, they're not going to put their money there. And so the scandals had this irreverent impact and this lasting impact on the church. So now what happens to the people? I'm not as focused on the leaders who created the debacle. They have to face whatever they have to face. I'm more concerned about the people. What do you do? You still have a need for faith. You still find yourself wondering, well, what is my purpose? Well, is there a God out there somewhere? I mean, it's like the universe, just some wide open space where anything out there can just come. What what are all these scriptures that my parents and grandparents talked about and, that is written off five, 6,000 years ago, is that not true? Is that not a part of recorded human history anymore? Should I just disregard that? Some people started looking outward. And so people started gravitating towards other faith that they thought was pure. See, we have this idea that having faith means that you're a pure being. And that is wrong. That is wrong on every level. No one is pure. Nobody is pure. I don't care if you went to and took a trek to the Himalayas and came back a Buddhist. Or if you came back with the other religion. You came back from Tibet and suddenly you feel like that's, that's your thing. No, no one is pure. Anything that is told by humans, any human story, wherever the intersection of your divinity, divinity and humanity happens, at that intersection, there's always going to be a story. And there is a story in there about the human being connected to that. So there's nothing pure. So the first thing that we have learned from all these is that God still exists, but not as directed and pictorialized and portrayed by individuals who had scandals. There is a part of them that God was a part of them. We sadly have to acknowledge that. Yes, it's true. But they were not perfect. And in their desire to convey their might and their power, they left themselves open to being, to, being, to being influenced. They had these desires. A lot of these people were work in progress. If you really listen to some of them, they were really struggling with their, with their sexuality and had been struggling with their sexuality. They thought going to church was going to solve it. But that's not how it works. That's never how it works. How it works is you have to die. You literally have to lay yourself down and say, this is what it is. And I know it sounds almost inconceivable even, but it is what it is. So what we did was we focused on the person because that's what they did. They, they were charismatic. They drew us in with their charisma and their charm. And we believed in them. We believed them. But what they didn't come to us and say, friend, I've got a problem. Even if they didn't come to the public, there were other people around them they could have gone to and sought to have their problem and sought to have their issue dealt with, either through therapy or talking to someone, getting counsel. But instead, they continued and continued, right? It's just like you and I, we raise our children, right? And we give our children latitude. We, we tell them, here is the standard. This is what I want you to be like, to, to do. This is the acceptable standard. But we hold them accountable to the standard, right? Right. Well, it's the same thing with God. He said, but you still have free will. I, I don't have a thing over my children's heads every day beating them into submission. They still have free will. I'm like, this is your choice. You have a choice. This is what you do. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. If you do that, this is what's going to happen. They exercise their free will. So where is God in all of this? He never left. He's still there. Did God you? Yeah, he knew this was going to happen. But in an effort to convey the message of faith, he used anybody. The Bible describes it as using an imperfect man. That word man there also means mankind. So that word man means that there is someone whom God is going to use and work through to bring you to the point of hearing a message that will ignite your faith or help you as you try to figure out what is this that I'm thinking. Because at some point, all of us, we're going to wake up one day and we're going to wonder, is this real? Is this a dream? Is this life a dream? What is death? What is not death? When someone dies, what happens to them? When my dog dies, does he go to heaven? Is there a doggy heaven even? Is there a heaven for cats? Am I going to see my dog again? Am I going to see my parents again? These are questions that we continue to search for answers. And that's what faith does. Faith also helps us when we're going through adversity. Well, what do you believe? How do you deal with this stuff? And unfortunately, what happens is we tend to look at this from the perspective that we all want answers. That's the thing with the human mind. We're always searching for answers. We want a definitive answer that is life-changing, that is going to define us. We want an answer now. No, 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 no. Just like the microwave. You know, you put stuff in the microwave and boom, it's heated up. You ever put something in the microwave to defrost? Oh, well, you know, it takes five minutes. Instead of taking an entire day like our great-grandparents used to have to wait for, right? We want it now. Now is the time. Faith is like a muscle. You have to use it over and over to get the answer that you want. Sometimes it's instantaneous and some other times it's not. So what I'm saying is, if you view faith from the perspective of, well, if God still exists, then he's going to bring someone else who is going to help us, help me to understand these things. You're right. But are you looking or are you searching? Right now, no one is. Because nobody believes. Because as soon as we see someone who says they're a preacher, we're like, oh, you're going to be just like that other guy. All they do is take my money. They don't even help the community, right? We've all seen very grave examples of that. It's unfortunate, but it happens. A few years ago in Houston, Texas, there was a hurricane coming through. And they asked a prominent preacher there, Joel Osteen, to open his church to let the people in. And he said no. He refused to open his church to let the people in who were struggling and who needed somewhere to be for safety. Today, his church is almost decimated. Why? Because people haven't forgotten. Was that a good thing for him to do? No. Does that mean that God never spoke through him? Well, God did speak through him, but not at that time. Because what do you think a loving God would have said? Open the church off the doors of the church and let the people in. I think in a lot of ways, some of these preachers need to hear that. First, open your heart to the love of God, to the love of God's people. People are hurting and people need faith. They need a reassurance that something better than this exists, that they will see their loved ones again that they're not going to disappear and be oblivious. And after they die, that's it. Give people hope, brother and sister, right? But instead, what we have done is we have shut the door. We have acted on Christian life. Look at all the stuff that's happening politically, where people who purport to be Christians are saying, I won't help a refugee, are saying, I won't help somebody who is fleeing violence are saying that it's okay for children to be separated from their parents. And we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves believers in faith. Now, 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 we we have to stop and think. Is that person a good representative? This is why I say go back to the works in the Bible. Go back to the scriptures. When you see that, go back to the scriptures. Go back to the scriptures and ask yourselves, is this what? The Bible is saying about that, right? Because invariably, what you find is that people, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to join. You see, so many of these preachers, they seem to be like, you know, I don't know, they emulate a different type of lifestyle that is kind of different from how we grew up. It seems irreverent, even. I mean, they're just big pimping out there, just dress exorbitantly and they just live the lifestyle that is so beyond what people in their church are living sometimes we have to listen to the message ignore the messenger and listen to the message what is the message i have found that i don't i used to be the person who would look at people and say well what are you saying let me hear what you have to say but i found that i could not look at the person and use their life to determine my own faith. It did not work. I had to constantly drag my attention back to the scriptures. And you know what I found? They fell so short. I focused more on what the scriptures said. And as long as I looked at the scriptures, I was fine. When I took my eyes off the scriptures and looked at them, that's when I failed. Because invariably, we're human. We are going to fail. They're going to fall. They're going to, you're going to find out that they are having sex with people whom they shouldn't be having sex with, that they took money, they did this, they did that. They are going to fail you. But let me ask you this on another matter. What are your expectations of a faith leader? Have you ever thought about that? And where did you get that idea and that impression from? Uh, Is that coming from somewhere where you... uh, Is that coming from somewhere where you might feel? Where where do we get these expectations from? We've got to understand that first. What expectations are we placing on faith leaders? Where do those come from? What standard is it that we're holding them accountable to? Uh, This is Harriet Kamek. Join me again on Down to Earth. Thank you so much.